You know, I'm I'm a competitor, Paul, no matter what, through and through. So I'm up for the challenge. That's this week's guest, Rich Denava. He's courageously agreed to take our new 60-second challenge, 60 seconds to break down a complex education funding subject. And this week's topic, what in general do school districts spend their money on? Ready? Uh, as a first rule of thumb, about 85 to 90% of their budgets are annually spent on salaries and benefits for their employees, uh, predominantly focused in on those individuals that are responsible for educating students, teachers, classroom uh, aides, paraeducators, support staff, and administration. The 85 to 90% um, could vary from district to district uh, across the state. But generally speaking, the vast majority of the school district's expenditures are on people. Beyond that, 10 to 15 percent, uh, give or take, in any particular district is spent on the plant operation. This is the services, this is the materials, any things that are required to run the schools like your utilities, like uh, maintaining your buses and maintaining your facilities, taking on construction projects, buying paper, buying pencils, things along those lines to better equip a school to do its ultimate job of educating our students on a regular basis. How's that? Oh, I think you nailed it. (laughs) Welcome to Adventures in Ed Funding, the new series presented by CASBO, the California Association of School Business Officials. We take you through the surprisingly fascinating world of schools, money, and California's future. I'm your guide, Paul Richmond. How do school districts use the dollars they receive from the state? To explore this, we traveled to San Bernardino in California's Inland Empire, where we met up with our guest. So my name is Rich Denava. I am the Assistant Superintendent of Business for the San Bernardino County Superintendent of Schools, which is a county office. Our county office of education is responsible for 33 districts. We're one of 58 county offices across the state. I'm a member of the executive cabinet team under the leadership of uh, County Superintendent Ted Alejandre. Um, As his lead business person for the county, we take on uh, roles and responsibilities that deal with district oversight um, with respect to their financial operations and their fiscal solvency. In addition to that, we also have our normal suite of business services across the county, such as purchasing, budget, accounts payable, accounts receivable, maintenance operations, transportation, to name a few that uh, I am also responsible for as far as integrating leadership over those areas of the uh, county office. So a lot of different functions, and you mentioned 33 different districts in a county that's basically the size of many states or larger. Very true, yes. We're a a very large county office of education. San Bernardino County is the largest county in the uh, the country Uh, as far as square miles. We span areas starting on the west end from Chino Valley and Upland, uh, stretching all the way out along the 10 freeway corridor out to Morongo, beyond Yucaipa, as well as up in the high desert, out to the places along the California border, such as Needles Unified um, and other districts in very remote places of the county. 
Great. I thought you were going to break into part of the Route 66 lyrics, too. (laughs) (laughs) I could have, but uh, we'll save that for another day, Paul. All right. Before working at the county office, Rich served as an assistant superintendent of business at a nearby school district. Before that, he was a first-generation college student from Southern California who went on to graduate from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. After his military service, Rich earned an MBA and launched into his career in education. Public service has always been a big part of his life. Now, we heard up front that the vast majority of a school district's budget goes towards paying for the people who work in and support school campuses. It probably comes as little surprise that education, whether in a big district or small district, a large county or not so large, is a people-intensive enterprise. I asked Rich to think about all the people an elementary school student might come into contact with during a typical school day. Getting up early in the morning, getting to the bus stop, and the first person you see for the day is the bus driver. That bus driver is could be employed by the district, and that's where some of those resources can go. Once you know the student gets onto the campus, gets dropped off at the school site, he may see a number of people, such as school administration, principals, assistant principals, um, campus supervisors when they're on the playground. Um, and then finally, when they get to their classroom, they may see, you know, obviously their teacher and maybe a classroom aide to assist with um, making sure that students are on task and doing what they're supposed to be doing. Then in uh, some circumstances, students go to the lunch environment and they see cafeteria workers, nutrition staff members that are serving food to help, you know, make sure their bellies aren't uh, growling during the course of the day, and they can focus in on their studies. Those are resources that are employed by school districts. They also may see custodial staff, janitorial staff that are out and about making sure that the physical plant of a school is is looking good and it's in good maintenance. So that's a person that may be employed by the school district. They also may at certain times of the day or the week may see somebody out there cutting grass, maintaining the grounds, or fixing a rooftop, fixing a leaky sink in the bathroom. Those are staff that are employed by the district. They may also get the great opportunity of having lunch with the principal or the assistant principal. And so those are also staff members that uh, they will interact with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that of students interact with. Of course. And then as as we move into, say, middle school and high school, perhaps even more staff now for athletics or drama programs Absolutely. or libraries. Absolutely, Paul. You, um, you, you will see, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a higher extension of services, some of the specialized extracurricular activities, staff that, um, that are employed to uh, run athletics programs, club types of programs. Those can be employees of the district in certain regards. In addition to that, you have counselors. Uh, school site counselors that are helping students become college and career ready by way of helping them with their classes. Also, counselors that are not necessarily uh, academic types of counselors, but maybe social, uh, emotional counselors that are uh, mental health related, maybe psychologists, maybe school nurses, you know, where a student may get injured on the playground or may not be feeling well. 
all of those people are responsible for the the operations of a school on a day-to-day basis that students may come in contact with. And all of that staff, as you were saying earlier, that's about 85% of a, of a district's expenditures go toward uh, paying for salaries and benefits of those individuals? Yes, a good a good portion of that staff that we were just talking about comprised that that figure. I would be remiss in saying there's also district level administration at the district office or some would refer to as the central office. Those are staff members that are kind of the behind the scenes individuals that are responsible for um, making sure employees' payroll is met, making sure that child welfare and attendance types of infrastructure is in place, whether they be technical staff members, classified staff members, and or management uh, of the district's administration, um, in addition to the superintendent, who are employed with making sure that all the aspects of a school district's operation are available and doing the right thing to allow the core level of services at the site level in the classroom to occur. So those all make that big magic number of roughly 85 to 90% of a school district's budget on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. And those people that you're just talking about, those would be some of the ones that as a student, I might not really see, I might not be aware of, but they're providing a lot behind the scenes. More than likely, um, not on a regular basis, they would not see folks like that. Although um, in, in in today's day and age, you know, we, we stress the importance of, um, or at least I stress the importance of to our business staff and staff that doesn't necessarily get to see students on a regular basis. We really stress the importance to the staff that they need to get out there to see and interact with students And so that really is what goes back to why we're doing what we do and why we have a mission and a focus within our organizations to provide the best we can for students in their educational space. There are a lot of individuals who students may interact with and some behind the scenes, but it's well worth noting, and the research consistently affirms, classroom educators are the single most important factor in impacting students' learning and thus the most substantial investment that school districts make. Individual teacher salaries range from the mid-40,000s for new teachers in smaller elementary districts to slightly above 100,000 for highly experienced high school teachers in the largest districts, and that does not include the benefits. More than half of every education dollar spent from your typical school district's general fund is spent to pay for teachers. So, Rich, we've talked about the many people who students come into contact with, starting with their teachers. In our previous episode, though, we looked at a study that showed that across the state in California, and despite best intentions, the typical California school overall has far fewer adults on campus than in other states that spend more per student. Is that something that that you see in the 30-plus districts that you work with? It's it's it is unfortunate uh, when you start looking at um, the human resources that are available as far as comparison sake is concerned. Um, yeah, when you look at other states, you are seeing ratios of adults to students that is far lower than you see here in California. The natural thought behind that is 
well, we have, we're one of the lower funded states by comparison to other states across the country. I think we're in the, you know, in the lowest percentiles. And that naturally translates over to less staff. Um, we, we make it happen. We make more happen with less is kind of how the, the saying goes. And so, yeah, naturally you're going to see a higher student to uh, adult ratio here in California. So we've talked about the people side of the school district expenditures, the vast majority on the people who support students. And the rest? And then the remaining amount, uh, anywhere from 10 to 15 percent, is, is, is dedicated for the operations of the school district. That's the things, that's the money that keeps the lights on, that keeps the water running, that provides for what I would call the stuff and the services that we may need to help make the districts run. Um, you know, the paper, the copier, the, the pens and the pencils, the books, the computers, the technology, um, the firewall, the network access, um, again, the service providers. You know, there's just so many services that we have to provide. And that also compensates for some of the things that our staff have to do. Uh, we send them out to be on trainings, to get them more educated and more professionally developed, to bring new ideas back to the districts, which in turn helps create train the trainer kind of aspects for our teachers. Those are all the things that you spend the money on as far as the stuff and the services is concerned that, again, is a very small uh, number in comparison to the salary and benefits piece, but it's equally crucial. And as you were going through that list, I I was even thinking of some other areas. Uh, You you talked about earlier the buses and the transportation and the food services. And are there some other things that, I mean, it seems like a big, big list. It's a very extensive list, Paul. You know, like you mentioned, um, you know, we have to maintain a fleet of vehicles. We have to uh, maintain our facilities. Uh, like I said, keep the lights on, the utilities, uh, things like that, that run the plant. Those things cost money and um, it it has to be paid out of uh, the budget, the limited resources that we do have. Um, Yeah, I can probably provide an extensive list, but we might be here for a while if I were to do that. (laughs) Right. As Rich explains, these other things can really impact a student's educational experience in a big way if they're not addressed. Maybe it's a day when the air conditioning goes out. You know, um, things do happen, things get old, things break. And so maybe it's a day up in the high desert in Hesperia where the temperatures in April are running above 105 degrees and uh, the air conditioning goes out. You know, the maintenance team from the district is going to be as responsive as they can be to get on that to make that fix. But during that whole situation where it may be just an unfortunate series of events, maybe the ambient temperature in the classroom is running above 80, 85 degrees. And that's making for a very challenging environment for a student to learn and a teacher to teach. And so those kinds of examples are things that may uh, not necessarily go, uh, go a student's way as well as the staff's way, our goal is to minimize the disruptions and mitigate the distractions to the instructional environment because at the end of the day, that's what we want to have is a focused instructional environment where students can thrive. Rich has described the main things all school districts spend money on to provide quality education to their students. 
About seven years ago, the state shifted to a new way of allocating money to school districts through a formula called the LCFF. We'll journey much further into LCFF in future episodes, but what's worth noting here is the title of the formula, Local Control Funding Formula. The purpose of that was to provide local control to school districts and how they obligate their resources that they receive from the state. Um, The intent behind that is to allow for local school districts to determine the best manner and method in which they want to employ their resources. That all sounds good, and LCFF introduced several important changes to prioritize the needs of students and engage school communities. But the name itself suggests school districts have a lot of discretion in how they spend the money they get from the state, which it turns out they do, but they also don't. Think of a typical household budget. There are monthly expenses for housing and utilities, for transportation, for food, maybe for clothing and some medical services. For most people, those are a big percentage of the household expenses, and they don't seem all that discretionary. So I put the question to Rich. How, how much discretion is there really for school districts in spending their dollars? I mean, because if there was lots and lots of money, it might feel like there's discretion. But as you work with your district business officials, how much discretion does it seem they actually have? Well, the reality of it is there isn't a whole lot of discretion um, as far as doing and spending your money on the things that need to be spent on. Um, You know, in the in a, in a scenario where uh, maybe a district has a little bit of resources that are that um, that are undesignated, if you will, that becomes what we would call the discretionary money that can be spent on things that maybe the district has special projects for, special desires to spend their money on. But what we've talked about here on the norm is not necessarily discretionary based. You have to employ people to educate your students and to run the behind the scenes operations of a school district. You also have to provide a free and appropriate education to students across the state. That's a, it's a requirement by law. And so in regards to doing that, that comes hand in hand with the paper, with the materials, with the books that you have to provide to students to be able to do their jobs by way of learning and being focused in the classroom environment. That whole notion of discretionary funding, there's not a whole lot of it because districts are are very strategic and careful about how they employ their resources and they want to maximize every penny that they have, which I can say without fail, our districts do a great job of doing that. And so when they do that, you don't find a whole lot of remaining dollars that are available. What happens oftentimes is there has to be a a kind of a give and take. If we're not going to do this program, um, you know, that may provide resources available to be put over into another core program or another offering. So most people might say, well, that's by choice. I think it is by choice. But at the end of the day, that's up to the administration and the board of a school district to govern how they effectively utilize those resources. Well, maybe we can say local control and discretion are in the eye of the beholder. At any rate, that's our show for today. Thanks for joining us on this latest adventure. We hope this has helped provide a better understanding of the main things school districts devote their resources to. 
We are truly grateful to our guest, Rich Denaba, Assistant Superintendent of Business for the San Bernardino Superintendent of Schools. Join us next time as we explore key moments in the history of California school funding, including the mother of all education ballot measures. For more information about our show, be sure to visit the CASBO website at casbo.org. Follow us on Twitter, too, at at CASBO. Our series is produced by the California Association of School Business Officials. Molly Schlange is the president. Molly McGee-Hewitt is the CEO and executive director. Mixing, editing, and theme music for our show are all provided by Tommy Dunbar. Original art by 2B Communications. And I'm Paul Richmond, your trusty guide. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And see you next time on Adventures in Ed Funding.